morning. Please pray with me. Oh, Father, we thank you for gathering us together this day. Our desire is to worship you in spirit and in truth. To exalt your Son, our King, the Lord Jesus. Father, our desire is that he be honored and revered, worshipped and praised, glorified and honored. Not just here, but in your churches all across the world. Oh, Father, thank you for sending your Son to save us from our sins. Would you give us what we need? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I say from time to time, nothing new. Nothing new at all, friend. Lord willing, this morning I want us to be reminded of one of the glorious blessings of being believers, of being one who has turned to the Lord Jesus in faith and is seeking to follow him. Please open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. What we believe is Paul's third letter to the Corinthians that we call 2 Corinthians because we don't have one. But 2 Corinthians chapter 3. After reminding the saints of his and Timothy's suffering for the gospel and exhorting them to forgive and comfort the repentant, Paul mounts a defense of his authority among the Corinthians, reminding them that they themselves are like a letter written by Christ through Paul and Timothy. And there's an idea later in the chapter that I want to consider with you this morning. Chapter 3 is only 18 verses, and so to get the context, let's read all of it. Would you please stand with me for the reading of Holy Scripture? The great apostle writes, Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we, as some others, epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? For you are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. If the ministration of death written and engraved in stones was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was done to be done away, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory." 
For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Seeing then we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech, and not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished, but their minds were blinded. For until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. Even unto this day when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of Holy Scripture. You may be seated. Well, our text for this morning is verses 16 and 17. We're speaking of the human heart, specifically the heart of a Jew, we see there in the text. Speaking of the human heart, Paul writes, when it, that is the heart, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The English Standard Version and the New International Version both render verse 17 this way. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So the idea is this, listen. The idea is that as the veil shrouded Moses' face and hid the God shine from the children of Israel... So, there is a mind blinding, a mind blinding, a prophetic shrouding that happened to Israel that kept them from understanding the Old Covenant, specifically the Old Covenant prophecies of Christ. But now, Paul teaches, now, when they look to Christ, when they and you, Turn to the Lord, the Lord Jesus, the veiling, the shrouding, the blindness of mind is removed. It's healed. Do you remember the serpent in the wilderness? Look and live, but you had to turn and look. And when they turn with their heart to Jesus, the veil is removed. And they see something previously unseen. And when this happens, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit of Christ, there is liberation. There is liberty. There is freedom. Now, well, we're Americans. 
Um, so we've grown up expecting liberty. I mean, even our national song proclaims that this is the land of the free. But listen, though liberty was the birthright of Adam and Eve, very quickly the fall of Eden subjected them to the curse and the bondage of sin in their natures. And by heredity, by genetics, we, upon our arrival here, find ourselves bent, bound, supposedly free, apparently free, but entwined with invisible bonds that restrain us and make us echo the Pauline lament, that which I do, I allow not. And what I would do, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. Romans 7.15 Can anyone relate? John records an incident in the ministry of the Savior that's quite instructive. Listen. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. So these are believers. If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, you shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. John 8, 31 through 36. The freedom that Jesus speaks of there, the liberty that Paul speaks of in our text, is a greater liberty, a deeper liberty than the freedoms that Americans used to cherish. You understand? Writing to Timothy, Paul refers to those who need deliverance from satanic bondage. And he says to Timothy, foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that those do gender strifes and the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who were taken captive by him, at his will. 2 Timothy 2, verses 23 through 26. Now listen, we're not here to glorify satanic power this morning, but, but with the great apostle, we acknowledge the almost overwhelming power of deception that he has. And the remedy that Paul prescribes is 
the acknowledging of the truth. Truth, which is the acknowledging of Jesus. Don't you remember? He claimed boldly, I am the truth. John 14, 6. Beloved, listen. Without Jesus, without the Spirit of the Lord, even in a free country, many are bound. Though they may not be serfs in body, they are slaves in soul. Listen to how Paul describes in Romans 6 this turning to the Lord that he comments on in 2 Corinthians 3.16. You know, when the heart turns to the Lord, there's liberty. He says, sin shall have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one that you obey? Either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves to sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your bodies as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, now present your members, your bodies, as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Romans 6, 14 through 19, that's the English Standard Version. Paul describes a soul liberty in which we who have turned to the Lord are no longer bound in slavish sin chains. And he exhorts us not to play like we're slaves. You're not. We're not. By our identification with Jesus in his death, we've been set free from the bondage of sin. Set free, listen, set free not to continue in sin, but set free to do righteousness. Freed to do right. Well, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Listen, many men, many women are content to be slaves within. Many who would be outraged at any attempt to make them slaves without. Do you understand? Many men and many women are content to be slaves inwardly who would be offended and outraged by any attempt to make them slaves outwardly. In our text of the morning, the great apostle speaking of the bondage of the law 
says that when the heart of the Jew turns to the Lord, then and only then shall they come to true freedom, to true liberty. And beloved, by the grace of God, when the heart of the Gentile turns to the Lord, then and only then shall they come to true freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom from the bondage to sin. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom from condemnation. Listen, apart from Jesus, condemnation is universal. Do you understand that? Apart from Jesus, condemnation is universal because sin is universal. Almighty God hath said, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Ezekiel 18.4 The prophet David observes, Yahweh looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Psalm 14, 2 and 3. You see, listen. If the soul of a man or a woman is under a death sentence, that's not freedom. That's not liberty. For such a person, there is only a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. Hebrews 10, 27. What are you doing? I'm just waiting to die. They're going to kill me. Death sentence. That's not liberty. Nevertheless, nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. The Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. How glorious are these words of the apostle in Romans 8. There is, therefore, now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Romans 8, 1 and 2. When a sinner turns to the Lord, to Jesus, she is freed. He is liberated from the law of sin and death. You know that law that says, do this and you'll live. Don't do that or you'll die. And all, all have fallen short of it. But hear what the great apostle says as he continues in Romans 8. 
He says, what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Verses three and four. When a sinner turns to the Lord, there's liberty from the bondage of sin. And there's liberty from the condemnation that sin draws. But listen, there's also liberty to obey the righteous commands of Jesus. You see, many say that they're free and think that they're free. Maybe even believe that they're free and that they can do as they please. But they do not like to do what they ought to like to do. And they are enslaved to their own desires. Now, you believe me? If you need convincing, you can do a little experiment and test yourself. You can go out this week and try your best to be what you know you ought to be. You can go out this week and try as hard as you can. Give it your best and be what you know that you ought to be. Uh, Oh, friend, you've probably done this experiment before, haven't you? Many times, I know I have, and every time, every time, I found that I can do nothing of myself and that any ultimate good must come from God. Now listen, what I've also found and what you'll find is that what the flesh cannot do, the spirit can. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Philippians 2.13. You, however, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, The spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we're debtors. Not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you didn't receive the spirit of slavery 
to fall back into fear. You've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Romans 8, verses 9 through 17. ESV. Listen, not slaves to sin, but freed men. Freed. Liberated. Why? Liberated. Set free to do what's right. Liberated from the bondage and dominion of sin. Liberated from the condemnation of the law. Freed from the law of sin and death. Liberated. Set free to do right. To live a life guided by the Spirit of God. Jesus, uh, I'm going to send a comforter to you. He'll remind you of what I taught you. He'll teach you everything that you need to know. But saints, listen, when a sinner turns to Christ, he or she is also freed from the ultimate power of death. The great apostle prophesies, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. For this corruptible was put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. And this mortal, when this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 52-57 Freed from the law of sin and death, so that sin shall not have dominion over us, and death shall not have dominion over us. Think back to our text. The Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's freedom. The Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, turns men and women to Jesus Christ and takes away the veil from their heart so they can see. They can see Christ in the new covenant. And seeing Jesus, the truth, brings them to freedom into great planes of spiritual liberty in Christ. Now, it's hard to know the precise nature of the error that Paul was addressing at Corinth, since we don't have the letter that the Corinthians wrote to him. But probably, probably false teachers at Corinth, maybe Judaizers, had been holding forth the old covenant law as the way to change one's life. 
when the great apostle had been teaching clearly that it's only the spirit of the Lord who can transfer one from a life of slavish, legalistic bondage into a life of liberty in the spirit. Jesus said, if the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. John 8, 36. And beloved, listen, the word of the Lord Jesus to the woman caught in adultery is the word of Jesus to us. And he said, I do not condemn you. Go, sin no more. John 8, 11. So saints, freed men, freed women, liberated slaves, Let's hear an apostolic exhortation this morning. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Galatians 5, verse 1. Shall we go on to sin because thy grace abounds? Or crucify the Lord again and open up his wounds? Forbid it, mighty God, nor let it e'er be said that we whose sins are crucified should raise them from the dead. We will be slaves no more since Christ hath made us free, has nailed our tyrants to his cross and bought our liberty. Oh, let our lips and lives express the holy gospel we profess. So let our works and virtues shine to prove his doctrine all divine. Thus shall we best proclaim abroad the honors of our Savior God. When the salvation reigns within and grace subdues the power of sin, our flesh and sense must be denied passion and envy, lust and pride, while justice, temperance, truth and love our inward piety improve. Religion bears our spirit up while we expect the blessed hope, the bright appearance of our Lord, and faith stands leaning on his word. Would you please stand with me for prayer? Let us pray. O Holy Father, Thou hast freely given us Thy Son. O Divine Son, Thou hast freely paid our debt. O Eternal Spirit, Thou hast freely bid us come. O Triune God, Thou dost freely grace us with Thy salvation. Prayers and tears could not suffice to pardon our sins, nor anything less than atoning blood. But our believing is our receiving. For a thankful acceptance is no paying of the debt. Oh, what didst thou see in us that we're poor, diseased, despised sinners? Should we be clothed in thy bright glory? Oh, 
How shall a creeping worm be advanced to this high estate that one lately groaning, weeping, dying should be as full of joy as heart can hold? That beings of dust and darkness should be taken like Mordecai from captivity and set next to a king. That we should be lifted like Daniel from a den and made prince and rulers. Oh, who can fathom thy immeasurable love? As far as the rational soul exceeds the senses, so does the spirit exceed the rational in its knowledge of thee. Thou hast given us understanding to compass the earth, to measure the sun, moon, stars, and universe, but above all, to know thee, the only true God. We marvel that the finite can know the infinite just a little, but afterwards in full-orbed truth. Now we know but a small portion of what we shall hear in part, but there in perfection. Hear a glimpse there a glory. O Savior, to enjoy Thee is a life eternal. To enjoy is to know. O keep us in the freedom of experiencing Thy salvation and liberation continually. In Jesus' name, Amen.